Making connections, affecting the culture, just doing life. It's Engage Magazine on American Family Radio. You know, Wesley, I have said many, many times on this program and also uh, in different articles that one of the reasons I became a writer was just so that I could avoid numbers. I hate, <laughs> I I loathe math. I don't, I, I don't math yeah, at yeah. all. I just don't, don't math. I don't math. Uh, it does not compute with my brain. But it's weird because I hate doing math, but I love statistics. Mm-hmm. I love seeing you know, statistics and reading there them. There has to be something to that because I think all people are drawn to some type of looking at a, you know, a dashboard or a pie graph and being able to see and, and, and just a snapshot real quick what it's like and, um, and kind of get a feel for... You yeah, know. and I think part of it's just you know the fact that um, there's a story there. Yeah, right. You know, and and I can look at the numbers and I can see the story. And I can't, I can't help but to think though every time you know English is not and writing's not my thing. You know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I try to do it, but I can't help but to think of every time that I compliment myself that math was my strong subject. I'll end up messing up somewhere <laughs> r- shortly after a math problem that's real simple, and then I can. So, yeah, well, you know, it, but I have to say this, one of the best people in the world when it comes to telling a story with number and with statistics and all of these different things is George Barna. Amen. Uh, if you're familiar with the name Barna, you know, Barna Group has been around for, for years and years and years. And a couple of years ago, George Barna started a, a new organization called American Culture and Faith Institute. And we have George Barna on the line with us. So, Mr. Barna, thank you so much for being here with us. Guys, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. So tell us for just a second about the American... We've had you on before, and we've talked about this, but um, tell our listeners a little bit about American Culture and Faith Institute. Well, our real purpose for existence is to try to provide insight into what's happening in American culture. We believe that America has been a nation incredibly blessed by God, and we have the opportunity to honor him, to worship him, glorify him, to advance his agenda. But we haven't been doing such a hot job of that for the last couple of decades. Our job at American Culture and Faith Institute is to keep doing surveys of the public to understand the attitudes, the beliefs, the behaviors that drive our decisions and our lifestyles, so that if, if ministries are going to come alongside them, and help them see things differently, help them hopefully see things from a biblical point of view. At least we know what the challenges are that we're facing, so that we can be intelligent and strategic in the ways that we go about doing ministry. Absolutely, amen. Now, I've made my, I make myself over to y'all's website a couple of times a month, and I'm really impressed. And once I'm, once I'm there, I can spend two or three hours, and I learn a lot, and it really helps influence me and my Christian worldview and a biblical worldview. What is your website and where can people go to find out more information? Well, it's culturefaith.com and we are constantly putting new information there from our surveys, from other things that, that we're encountering as we're doing this ministry out in the marketplace. So we encourage people to go to culturefaith.com and like you're saying, just get up to date on what's really going on in the culture. Excellent. And one of the things, one of the most recent things you've done, you've written over 50 books, and one of the most, the most recent one is The Day Christians Change America. What, explain a little bit just briefly about the book and what inspired you to write the book. Well, you know, it's interesting. I I actually got involved in all the things that I do. I started out in politics. I was a 
campaign manager, then I was a public policy analyst in government, and then I was an independent pollster for people running for offices, got a master's degree in politics, all these things, and I've always been involved in political campaigns over the years, but I've never written a book that had anything to do with politics. And so then comes the 2016 presidential election, and I was involved, I was you know working for one of the candidates, and then eventually expanded that work and served a lot of different organizations providing the national surveys. But come the end of the election, of course, we know the outcome of it. And I've been listening to all of the reports about what happened. I've read some of the books that have come out since the election, talking about what happened, uh, heard the commentaries. And the thing that shocks me the most is that none of them talk about the role of faith in the election. And from my vantage point, working with candidates, being involved in the campaigns, putting on and speaking at many of the events, uh, what I know is that you cannot understand the 2016 election unless you understand how faith impacted it at many different junctures. So that's really what the book is about, to talk about the role of faith in the campaign so that people can really understand not just how it impacted Mr. Trump or his election, but what it did in many other ways, too, in terms of churches and parachurch ministries and media use and, and so many other aspects. Yeah, and when you talk about faith, um, you know, one of the things that you do at culturefaith.com is um, you, you have developed, uh, um, i trying to think of the best way to put this, a new terminology for those who are taking their faith seriously, and you call them sage cons. Uh, one of the things you say in the book, and I find this really interesting, that media polls will consistently claim about 30 to 35 percent of the population is born again or evangelical. However, um, your research at AC, uh, ACFI say that most of those will admit to having no relationship with Jesus Christ or no certainty about their eternal salvation. So, uh, in sage cons or evangelicals, um, are really only about 6% of the adult population. That, to me, was an incredible finding uh, in, in your book, and I know in research throughout the last couple of years. So how important was... Uh, well, first off, let's talk about this. What are SAGE cons? Well, it's an acronym that stands for Spiritually Active Governments Engaged Conservatives. And what that basically means is that this is a group of very, very devout Christians people who love the Lord with all their heart, mind, strength, and soul, people who are very active in the life of the Church, people who read their Bible, if not daily, almost daily. They pray to God daily. I mean, their faith defines who they are, and it drives their behavior and their choices. This is a group of people, though, because of that faith, they believe that the Bible teaches you need to be involved in trying to influence every aspect of life for the glory of God. And so that would include politics and government. So these are Christians who care about politics. They care about government. They're well-informed about it, and they participate. So when it comes to elections, they don't simply vote. I mean, that's a good thing to do, and we're called to do that. We should do that. But they do a lot more than that. They stay well-informed about the issues and the candidates. They talk to other people about what they believe and how it fits with their worldview and and how it coincides with biblical principles. They volunteer in campaigns. They may donate. They distribute voter guides or other kinds of information. They really take it seriously. Now, sage cons represent about 10% of the voting population of America. And what I've noticed over the past 30-plus years that I've been doing research is that 
if you are a conservative candidate or maybe a Republican candidate running for president, you cannot win the presidency only by winning the votes of sage cards. However, you cannot win the presidency unless you get a high percentage of the vote from sage cards, usually at least 72% or more of that group. So they are a very influential, very active, very important segment of the population. You listen to Engage Magazine on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening this afternoon with Dr. George Barner. We discuss his new book called The Day Christians Changed America by George Barner. We will have that link up on our show notes, and we will post that on our social media. And uh, uh, also, I wanted to point out that we have a YouTube channel and other ways you can connect with us. We have a brand new EngageMagazine.net website just to celebrate our two-year anniversary. We launched a brand new Beautiful website. Go check that out and pass on this information to your millennial friends. We want to reach as many millennials as possible. I know that we have youth pastors and pastors and parents that also follow us well, and I just want to thank you for following us and getting our information to the millennial audience. Now, Dr. George Barnum, we could all say, and I've heard you say this before, and we've all said this, Donald Trump was not our first pick, <laughs> and he was not the first. And, and I, I think as a conservative, Bible-believing, evangelical Christian, uh, we would all say that. However, he was, uh, the even, the even though he wasn't the first pick, he uh, ended up being, he, he won, he had more percentage of Christians that voted for him than anybody in how long, the last couple of, year, a cu- a couple of elections? Well, at least oh. the last six elections. Right, so what was the... What, what do you think caused such a massive turnout within the evangelical Christians? Yeah, I mean, there were a few things going on. Number one, we know that uh, when, when, a few months after he announced his candidacy back in, in the middle of 2015, he was the fifth most popular option among conservative Christians. Only 9% said they planned to support him. Mm. There were so many other great candidates in the race, he, he came in fifth. But eventually, of course, we know what happened to the primaries. All the evangelical or evangelically inclined candidates kind of canceled each other out. And so Mr. Trump wound up getting the nomination. And by the time that it was uh, the middle of 2016, around June of 2016, 71% or so of the sage cons were supporting Mr. Trump. Now, that in and of itself was okay, but in this particular race, it would not have been enough for him to win the election. Mm. What happened over the course of the last several months of the election cycle was that it bumped up to 93% of sage cons on election day voted for Donald Trump. 91% of them voted. Those are both extraordinary and, I believe, unique numbers. And the reason that happened was, first, they looked at who the alternative was, They knew that maybe they couldn't trust Donald Trump. They didn't particularly care for him. They had concerns about his character. But they looked at Mrs. Clinton and they said, we know that she's for killing unborn children. We know that she's for a lot of things that we don't believe in. And so we can't possibly support her. We're going to take a chance with Mr. Trump. And many of the things that he said to evangelical and conservative Christian leaders over the course of the campaign convinced them that, you know what, we don't know if we can trust him, but at least he's saying things that really work with what we believe. Mrs. Clinton continues to say, we're going to have to change our faith in order to conform to her vision for America, and we're not willing to do that. 
This is George Barna with American Culture and Faith Institute. We're talking about uh, his latest book, The Day Christians Changed America, How Christian Conservatives Put Trump in the White House and Redirected America's Future. Uh, Dr. Barna, tell us very quickly, we only have a minute left in this segment, uh, where can people get the book? Uh, they can get it at culturefaith.com, which is our company's website, and they'll be able to read other things about all the research that we did. Or they can go to a place like Amazon.com, and we've got it there as both a paperback and a an ebook, a digital book. Yeah, it sounds great. So um, now we are uh, going to be coming back here in just a minute when we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. George Barna. And here's the questions that we're going to be talking about. How is it that people went from, you know what, nobody really liked Trump, as Wesley was just saying a minute ago, who was not our first choice. And yet by Election Day, 93 percent of Sage Cons checked the box for Donald Trump. How did that happen? Why did it happen? And what does that say about America and faith in our in our election season? You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned.